Blog Talk Radio. Hello, suddenly less gloomy Nats Town, and welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. We've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports page, and Doghouse on his way home from National Park on the line. Coming to you after a 5-1 win over the Fish. Big home run night in the National Park. They improved to 65-53. and 53. The Mets lose their five-and-a-half back. Dave, we'll start with Jordan Zimmerman on the mound coming off back-to-back wins in spite of the fact that he gave up four in runs in each, eight home runs allowed in the 31 in the third innings pitched after he gave up nine home runs in a 128 and two-thirds innings pitched in his first 21 starts. Ten and eight on the year, 3-5-4 ERA, 3-5-5 tip, 2-6-6-3-0-5-3-87 line against in 160 innings total this year before tonight. Six scoreless on 88 pitches tonight, six hits, one walk, seven ground outs, but Justin Bohr gets a, uh, all of a 1-0 fastball in the seventh, hits a solo shot to the second deck in right field, 5-1 to at that point. That's all Zimmerman ended up giving up, though. Seven innings on the mound. I think he allowed, oh, my phone's not loading. Come on. Seven hits, one run, one walk, four Ks, a one home run allowed, 106 pitches. Not exactly a perfect start from Zimmerman, but a workman-like effort out there. He did what he could, got out of jams a few times, and put together all the Nationals needed. Solid outing, at least. Yeah, if, if Jordan Zimmerman were a left-hander, they they would describe him thusly. The crafty veteran scattered seven hits to pick up the win. Um, this this is a case that, that Jordan Zimmerman uh, kept the ball down, um, except for the one pitch to Bohr. He was able to hit his spots. Um, and, and took care of business. I mean, this you said workmanlike, and I think that's a, a good way to describe it. I mean, uh, Jordan Zimmerman was not scintillating. He was not stellar. He only struck out four, so he didn't have the gaudy K numbers. Um, but Jordan Zimmerman uh, did tonight what he does. He kept the ball. Uh, he kept the ball on the plate. Um, made made the hitters swing at his pitches. Uh, he made his pitches. Um, and, and limited his, his mistakes to, um, to 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 very few, and, and, and Bohr was the only one that really got uh, good wood on him all night. Um, the Nats tonight were also also got the benefit of um, of a couple of defensive breaks, and I specifically want to highlight Wilson Ramos throwing out uh, Dee Gordon running on a 1-0 pitch for some unfathomable reason uh, early <laughs> on in the game when it could have been uh, trouble for him. So. Um, so, yeah, a real good performance from Jordan Zimmerman. Um, the Nats got enough solo home runs that actually got one with a man on base to um, to score, to, to support him. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a feel-good night for the Nats with the Nats winning and the Mets losing. Woo-hoo! <laughs> that might have been the most sarcastic woo-hoo I've ever heard from Dave there. What's the feeling in Nats Park? I know you were there tonight for the win, solid outing by Jordan Zimmerman, as I described, but what's the feeling among the fans you're sitting with up there at this point? Five and a half games out after today's win, the Mets lost, the Mets' second loss in a row. It could be four and a half if they had won the game last night against the Marlins, who they should be beating every time, but what's the feeling of the fans that are sitting around you out there in the park? Do people still believe, or is it just uh, hoping for a miracle sort of thing at this point? Well, you know, it, it ain't over till it's over. And I, I think that's probably the attitude of most of the fans at this point. No one's expecting to go to the postseason, but it is not mathematically impossible. So that's a kind of hope, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I will say that there was probably a lot more attention being paid to uh, 
the outrageous mullet wig that most of the ballpark personnel were wearing tonight rather than, uh, you know, really following closely the out-of-town scoreboard in spite of, in spite of the fact that it wasn't changing at all, at least the part that we're interested in. Uh, I, I think they must have gotten like a and, – and let me tell you, the 80s costumes, a lot of thought went into them, but they weren't very coherent. So it was like this sort of combination hair metal um, – like Miami Vice meets uh, Olivia Newton-John's physical with, like, elements of Madonna all in some weird melange. And I, I, I can tell you, it lacks thematic coherence a little bit. <laughs> Cash Brown analysis right there. Dave's Tom Kohler on the mound for the Marlins. Six-start losing streak before tonight. Losses in nine of his last ten. A 6.68 ERA, a 2.95, 3.63, 4.82 line against, and 33 and two-thirds over that stretch. Eight and 12 on the year. 3.98 ERA, 4.42 FIP, 3.36 walks per nine, and 144 and two-thirds innings pitch before tonight. Trying to avoid giving up a fifth home run by Bryce Harper, which he did successfully. So that's a minor little win for him there, but. Down one nothing after Ryan Zimmerman hit a 1-0 fastball out to the left in the second. Down 2 nothing when Anthony Rendon hit a two-out RBI single in the third. 5 nothing after back-to-back two-out jacks by Clint Robinson. Remember him? And Ian Desmond. And five runs total, they score on him. Nine hits in six innings. He suffers his seventh straight loss. It's kind of tough to be on the Marlins right now. He's a decent pitcher, I'd say. I'll give him that at least, but he avoided giving up a Harper home run at least. That's a little win for him tonight. Four Ks, three home runs allowed, nine hits, five runs, and six innings. Well, you're being a little bit more generous to Mr. Kohler than, than I was going to be. <laughs> I was going to say he's just not very good, but uh, um, if you want to say decent, I'm not really going to argue. I'd, I think I think he's middling. How about how about we split the difference and call him middling as opposed to decent or bad? I'll accept um, that word. <laughs> okay. So 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 Nats were able to beat a middling pitcher tonight. Um something that they haven't always been able to do this year and, and, and I suppose um I suppose that's a good sign. Um like I said, you know, they they managed to hit enough solo home runs to uh uh to put enough runs on the board to support Jordan Zimmerman. But uh I wanna go back to the point that the, the doghouse made about um having to root for math now. Um I, I was told there wasn't gonna be any math tonight. <laughs> Uh, it's tough. I've seen a few breakdowns of what the Nationals have to do and what the Mets have to do the rest of the way in order to get it. And uh, I just like to watch the yeah, game you know, on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, like like I've been saying for a few weeks now, um, it's very difficult to make up a, a, a win a week um, as as the season you know gets towards the, the, the finish line here. And um, at five and a half games, the Nets have about four and a half weeks to make that up. So that's a very difficult thing. Unless unless the Nats get very hot and the Mets suddenly uh, completely cool off, I mean, this is going to be a very daunting ta- challenge. To make up um, to make up that, that amount of, of, of time or that amount of games over an extended period of time, it, it, it's a difficult thing. It, it, it's, it's tough to do it incrementally. I mean, the Nats have the benefit of having six games with the Mets, so um, they're obviously going to have to make hay in the head-to-head, but um, but it would be nice if, if they could um, shorten that distance a little bit between between now and then, and, and um, not have to go six and zero against the Mets when they when they finally do play them here. Yeah, I mean, there's a big See, what, series what this coming is, up. So. Is, uh, 
really a, a prime opportunity for the, the Nets to take advantage of the gambler's fallacy because they've been uneven and bad for a long time. So now they can be good suddenly in a, in a big burst of goodness uh, because I, I'm pretty sure that's how that works probabilistically. So taking advantage of math, this is, this is the time for the, uh, for the Nets to fallacy their way into the, uh, into the first place spot. <laughs> They've got some guys swinging hot bats at least, Doug, as Zimmerman is longest home run since 2012, according to ESPN Stats and Info, 434 feet to the back of the red court seat. His 196th career home run, four more to 200, is 12th of 2015 and the seventh since he came off the DL on July 28th. Good to see Zimmerman swinging a hot bat and one out to left. We're used to seeing him power those out to right in the right center field when he's really going strong, but straight pull this time to get that one out. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a big pulled clout like that from the Z-Man. And given how he's come back with his his batting eye and the contact and the power, i got to say maybe the team should have orthotics made for everybody. <laughs> got to be the orthotics. Yeah, more, more insoles, more, more, more insets. Help them out. Davey <laughs> and Desmond equally hot over that period. 42 for 136, five doubles, 10 home runs in his last 37, 37 games after a solo home run to center. 309 average after that uh, home run. Just put one out to straight center, continues to swing a hot bat, and I'm going to be really, really frustrated going down the stretch here if these guys keep doing what they're doing going down this uh, last month of the, plus of the season and the Nationals fall just a little bit short because they couldn't get it healthy or get started what they're doing now a little earlier than they did. It, it, it's almost like baseball players are better when they're healthy than when they're not healthy. I don't want to, I don't want to say that equivocally. I don't want to say that unequivocally <laughs> because I might be wrong here. But it seems to me that when players are healthy, they play better. I, I, I don't know. Doghouse, can you, can you corroborate that for me? I, I really don't understand the logic behind that statement, but if you just want to go out making these wild assertions, you know, whatever, man. <laughs> well, it's nice, it's nice to see Zimmerman, uh, you know, pulling the ball. I mean, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, I'm really starting to, to, to buy more into the idea that Desmond was hiding an injury in the first half of the season. Uh, the second half, he has been what he has always been. He's always still a free swinger. He's still striking out. But he's making a lot better solid contact now. Um, you know, he's going to end up with his 20 home runs. It, it seemed it just completely unfathomable on the 4th of July that we'd be talking about Ian Desmond hitting 20 home runs this year. But he's going to. Um it's just, uh, you know, I don't know. It's something about about ball players being healthy. I guess it just, uh, it's a, it's a for, I know it's a foreign concept for Nats fans to think that their their players are actually healthy, but it, but it seems like it right now. I'll take that theory over the theory that now that the pressure's off, all of a sudden they're performing. That's the negative spin on that, I suppose. But we'll stay positive for the evening. Well, at least until I get to this question. Doghouse Denard's fan talked a little bit today about how he kind of realized during uh, his last game when his back was acting up again and he was having the issues that he'd essentially played his last game as a national now. They're saying four to six months to recover from labrum surgery on his hip. So you got Denard's fan in his third surgery of the season. You got Doug Fister sitting in the bullpen. Ian Desmond bounced back a little bit from his rough first half. Jordan Zimmerman looks sharp again tonight, but has been kind of up and down this season. Uh, ERA over three, uh, 3.3, I think. What is it after tonight's game? Let me check very quickly. But 
three, four, five on the year, so that's up a little bit from last year. Which one of the pending free agents do you think is in the best shape going into the market this winter, assuming they're all going to leave the nation, nation's capital? Well, uh, sadly, it's, it's it's probably not going to be Ford Nenard's fan. Uh, I mean, that's, that's that's a serious injury with a lot of rehab, and you're looking at guy a, a guy who plays a lot on a speed game, so that's that's not... Uh, going to speak well to the level of risk involved for a, for a big, juicy free agent contract. You look at Zimmerman, he has a solid history, but you know this this season has, has been a struggle. He's looked like a solid number three starter, but he's a guy who's probably looking to get paid like an ace, and given what he's done up to this season, probably should be. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the guy who looks best is probably Ian Desmond. Uh, yeah. He's at, at the at the right age, and if he finishes strong like he has been, I think it's it's going to be easy for other teams to look out and say the first season was a fluke or the first season, uh, you know, like like they've speculated, you know, he had some nagging something that had him had him off or something, because he's had a, a very solid history in the the three seasons prior, you know, what three five win seasons in a row, you know, that's uh, that's close to per, perennial all star caliber. And I, I think that's something that's really going to play on the free agent market. So my, my bet is for uh, Desmond going forward to be doing the best in uh, next year's off season or in the coming off season. Dave, any thoughts on that? And any chance any of these guys are back next season? You think possibly Denard Span takes a qualifying offer if he's given one and tries to build up his uh, resume again with a solid season in DC? Well, uh, I'm going to be pretty pretty harsh in my assessment here. Um, uh, no, I don't think the Nets do give him a qualifying offer. Um, I don't think that the Nets should give him a qualifying offer. I mean, this is a guy that's had three major surgeries in, in less than a calendar year. He won't be ready to resume baseball activities probably until um, spring training, if then. Um, and, and considering the nature of this last injury, the hip labrum surgery, for a guy whose game is predicated on speed and defense, it doesn't bode well for his um, his viability as a major league player going forward. So um, I know that's harsh, and, and everybody likes Denard Span. I like Denard Span. I like um, you know his on base skills and, and his quality defense, but I really don't think that he's the type of player that that the Nets should want to gamble on um, by offering even even a qualifying offer and and. And you know, going for one year, I think they've got a, a ready-made replacement in Michael Taylor, a completely different type of ball player than Span, but his peer almost, if not now, soon will be um, as a defensive center fielder. So uh, Taylor slides right into that role. Um, I don't think the Nets should, should bother with a qualifying offer for Span. Um, Jordan Zimmerman, if he was going to sign a contract here, he already would have. Ian Desmond, if he was going to sign a contract here. He already would have. I mean, these are both players that want to test free agency. They want to um, see what they can get out on the open market. I think bully for them because this is going to be um, for each of them their last best contract. So they should go out and try to get all the money that they can. Um, the Nets aren't going to pay that. You know, they think that they've got um, replacements for Zimmerman. They've got a built-in replacement for Desmond. I mean, these are players the Nets have prepared to replace in 2016 with. Michael Taylor, Trey Turner, Joe Ross, and a couple of other the young starters. I mean, these are guys the Nets were prepared to lose the entire way. Yeah, I 
can't disagree with any of that, honestly. And I actually am on the positive side of liking some of the replacements that they have coming up and liking what the future holds for the Nationals in spite of losing some people whose entire careers I've followed and who I'm certainly cheering for to uh, pulling for for them to get what they deserve on the free agent market and hopefully finish up strong here so they can do that. But Nationals win, leaves them five and a half back of the Mets. The Mets also picked up Addison Reed and Mark Shinsky. I can say it. I spelled it out phonetically here. So they're adding to the bullpen. They certainly think, seem to think they're going to make a run for the postseason, and they're kind of bulking up that bullpen there. That's 65 and 63 after the win tonight. One more question for both of you, and sticking with the Nationals theme for the night, which is the best 80s song, The Safety Dance, Come On Eileen, or Prince's Let's Go Crazy? Oh, clearly Let's Go Crazy. <laughs> Dog, you heathen. It is obviously The Safety Dance. <laughs> I don't know. I like the violins and the banjo and come on, Eileen, but I have to go with Prince's Let's Go Crazy, to be honest. Matt's Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. That's it for tonight. They're going to win again tomorrow, and we'll talk to you guys after that. Go Nets.